The New York Knicks finished the preseason undefeated 4-0, topped off by a buzzer beater by last year's most improved player. Welcome to the Knicks Nation podcast presented by New York Sports Nation. New York Sports Nation, enhancing your New York fan experience. I'm your host, Manny Rodriguez. Time to mark your calendars. This week's Knicks schedule is as follows. The Knicks will start the season on Wednesday, October 20th at home. They will take on the Celtics, a 7.30 tip on ESPN. Friday, October 22nd, the Knicks will head down to the Sunshine State. They will take on the Magic. 7 o'clock start on MSG. And on Sunday, October 24th, they'll play the Magic at the Garden. 7 o'clock start on MSG. You are listening to the Knicks Nation podcast presented by New York Sports Nation. New York Sports Nation, enhancing your New York fan experience. Well, we'll start off with the results over the first four games for the Knicks. Of course, the unofficial season. A 125-104 win over the Pacers, 117-99 over the Wizards. 108 to 100 over the Pistons and 115 to 113 against the Wizards again on Friday. A ton happened over the first four unofficial games of the season. We'll start off with Julius Randle. He looks to be like he's the leader of this team again. He averaged 23 points, 10 rebounds, 49% shooting, 39% from behind the arc in the three games that he played. Of course, he did not travel to Washington on the 9th because his wife Kendra gave birth to their second son. But he looks good. He's looking to prove that last season was not a fluke. A bunch of people were saying that, you know, Julius Randle, yeah, he's putting up pretty much empty numbers. Julius Randle having an all-NBA caliber season last year. Um, He's going on a mission this season to prove that he deserves all the accolades that he got last season and he's going to deserve the ones that he's potentially going to get. He looks like an all NBA player. Once again, he looks like he is not satisfied and he wants more and more. And a big thing about Julius Randle too was, you know, in late game situations in a closed game, People were wondering, well, is Julius Randle going to be the guy that the Knicks go to, you know, needing a bucket down by two or wherever the case may be? And he seemed to have proved that on Friday against the Wizards as he provided the buzzer beater um, at the end of the game, 115 to 113, the Knicks coming back against the Wizards in what was an electrifying game. It was uh, it was unbelievable, the atmosphere at the Garden. You can tell through the TV that I was watching it on. You could tell through that the uh, Garden was just absolutely a spectacular place to be on Friday. We move on to Obi Toppin. Um, he looks fun. It's going to be fun to watch him play. He's it looks like he's been working on on putting the ball on the floor and you know adding some dribble moves to his repertoire. He looks good running in transition. I'll tell you that. There are, have been a couple of opportunities for the Knicks, and the Knicks have taken advantage in which Obi Toppin is running the floor and the Knicks provide some early offense. You know, Derrick Rose on Friday threw a, a, from midcourt through an alley oop to Toppin, who was cutting to the basket. You know, and there was still 21 seconds left on the shot clock. That's that's what the Knicks 
Knicks have to do with Obi Toppin. That's what Knicks head coach Tom Thibodeau has to game plan with Toppin once in a while, throwing those types of plays in to make sure Obi gets uh, gets going. Because once Obi gets going, he he can he can get hot quick. And that's what's really fun about Obi Toppin as well. He's really been looking to get himself in position to grab a rebound as well. I, I've been very impressed with how Toppin has been getting himself in position in the paint, watching a, a ball fly towards the rim. He's really looking to get himself in position, grab the board. He looks stronger, um, and he looks good. He, he looks good uh, shooting the ball as well, Obi Toppin. He's worked on his three, and that's and that's evident. He looks confident, and towards the end of last season, we saw Toppin's confidence dwindle, um, especially after throwing up air ball after air ball, brick after brick. He looks confident shooting the three, which I like. But it looks as though his weakness is the corner three. He hasn't been able to get it from the corner, um, often overshooting the net. He looks good working at the top, um, working from the wing or from the top when he lets it fly, I'm pretty confident that that ball will go in. But when he lets it go from the corner, I, I kind of cringe to myself and take a deep breath and, and hope for the best. But Obi Toppin has been looking fun, and that's going to be big for the Knicks, uh, making sure that they have their Dayton flyer, their high flyer off the bench. Um, we also saw something on Friday's game against the Wizards with 6.54 left. We saw something that Tom Thibodeau doesn't do, and that was a lineup with Julius Randle and Obi Toppin on the floor at the same time. Thibs has been shying away from this lineup. He did so last season for defensive purposes, and, well, he tried it with 6.54 left in the game yesterday, and it worked, in, in, to put it in short term. Or to put it in short, uh, Mitchell Robinson was huffing and puffing in his first game back after breaking his foot. More on Mitchell Robinson in a bit, but he was huffing and puffing his way up and down the court. He needed a break desperately. You could tell that you know he 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 had not played a game since March. And then in came Randall off of the bench, and there were times that the Knicks conceded many easy baskets, but that's because this lineup was thrown together, trailing by 13. It was 99-86 at that point with 6.54 left. The Knicks, you can see them, they were applying pressure defensively. You know, they would come up to the guard and apply some pressure um, to the ball handler, maybe even throw in a double team and good rotation by the Knicks as well down the stretch. They really look like a fine uh, coach team down the stretch defensively. You can tell by the rotation, by the rotations, by the way that they hustle to try to get to the to the open man. It was honestly something beautiful to watch. But they would apply pressure, and that would lead to some easy buckets. Um, they would simply just be too aggressive. But again, most of the time, the Knicks, or excuse me, the Wizards were just unable to handle the pressure. Obi Toppin, Tom, Tom Thibodeau said that he you know, didn't want to use this lineup because of defensive purposes, but you look down the stretch, Obi Toppin had a huge steal, I guess. He was credited with a steal on NBA.com, but it was, it was, or excuse me, he was credited for a block on NBA.com, but it was really a steal. Corey Kisper, with about two minutes left, came in and tried to drive the lane, um, and the rookie out of Gonzaga kind of 
lost his balance when he saw Obi Toppin in front of him and Toppin just ripped the ball out of his hands. That was with two minutes left and then Toppin had a huge block with 37 seconds left in the game against Daniel Gafford right after the Knicks had taken their first lead of the night. Yeah, the the Knicks trailed the entire ball game. It was going to be a wire-to-wire win for the Wizards, but the Knicks simply just came back and with uh, 37 seconds left, um, they took that lead and Toppin's block and the, the Garden went into a frenzy. Over those 6.54, the Knicks outscored the Wizards 29-17 to to eke out that 115-113 win. And, of course, topped off by Randall's step-back fall-away jumper at the buzzer that made the crowd go crazy. Uh, moving on, let's go to R.J. Barrett. Barrett, oh, he's so strong. And he looks like a lockdown defender. Multiple times during the preseason, RJ locked down Bradley Beal. In the game in Washington, the only road game for the Knicks in the preseason, Bradley Beal tried to back RJ Barrett down, but Barrett barely moved an inch. It was incredible. Then Bradley Beal would also try these dribble moves, try to fool RJ Barrett, and Barrett stayed right in front of him. And even one time, it was picked up by the microphones, Bradley Beal had expressed his frustrations releasing a GD, um, and Barrett just had Beal in jail that night. It was absolutely incredible. And he continued that against the Wizards on Friday in the final seconds uh, Denny Avidia was driving towards the basket, um, and R.J. Barrett stayed in front of him and punched his shot away in the last few seconds. Barrett is a very good defender, guys, and he is strong. He is a lot stronger than he looks. Um, he's still a great tool offensively. He averaged 16.3 points in the preseason, um, but the offensive stat that sticks out for me for R.J. Barrett was his three-point percentage. For his career, Barrett is a 37% shooter from three. Last season, he shot 12% from three in the preseason. Last preseason, 12% from three. In four games of the new year, 48% from behind the arc. 48%. 12% last preseason. Started off cold. If you remember last season, oh, he started off so cold at R.J. Barrett from behind the arc. It looked like he was just kind of just chucking it up there at one point. But he kept working at it through the summer, or excuse me, through the season last year. You saw him progressively getting better. And no doubt he worked on that over the summer. And uh, his three-pointer, the, the, the work that he's put in three-point is, is being shown he is very good from back there. And let me tell you something. R.J. Barrett from the corner, if he's open in the corner, you might as well chalk up three points for New York because that thing is automatic. Um, There's still sometimes it's kind of like the opposite with Obi Toppin. If I see Obi Toppin in the corner shooting a three, I cringe. If I see R.J. Barrett in the corner shooting a three, I'm happy. But reverse that, juxtapose that to having one of them at the top. You have Toppin at the top. I'm, I'm more confident that the ball will be going in. But with RJ shooting it from the top, sometimes I will cringe and hope for the best. But I'm telling you that corner three is starting to become automatic in RJ Barrett's game. The corner specialist badge on 2K. That is becoming a special tool for our favorite Canadian. Moving on from our favorite Canadian to our favorite uh, native of Louisiana, Mitchell Robinson. He's back. Mitch is back. Tell a friend, Mitch is back. 
he played on Friday against the Wizards for the first time since March. Um, he broke his foot. You know, it was a tough time for Mitchell Robinson because um, he had, what, fractured his hand, fractured his wrist, something along those lines, I forget. But um, in his first game back, if I'm not mistaken, it was against the Milwaukee Bucks um, early on in the game. In his first game back, he just steps in a way in which a bone in his foot fractured and you know that's what happens sometimes but Mitch played on Friday first time since March he didn't do too much that caught my eye he went three for eight with six points in that game he did have a very strong two-handed flush he just kind of grabbed the loose ball took one dribble and just said man I'm just going into and then he just threw it down it was it was quite something to see he looks so strong too Mitchell Robinson after that dunk down low he 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 got the ball went up strong flushed it down and did a little bit of a pull up on the rim just a little bit but you know nothing that the rims would or excuse me <laughs> nothing that the refs would would uh tee up and once he landed Robinson he flexed his muscle and his arms look enormous I'm telling you you can tell that during the time Mitchell Robinson with a broken foot he was just kind of lifting it looks like just trying to get that upper body strength he had mentioned that he was pushed of getting or tired of getting pushed down low so um, he's definitely been at the gym he's not that little stick that came into the league anymore I do have I don't want to say concern, but I did notice that Mitchell Robinson does look a little too big right now around his face and around his around his chin. Um, he does seem a little chunkier to me in past seasons, but again, I'm I'm not really complaining about that because he's just so strong now. And additionally, you know, again, this is his first game back since March. You know, it's going to take some time for him to get back into conditioning. It doesn't seem as though Tom Thibodeau gave him a lot of time to get back into game shape. But, I mean, that's what the preseason is for. And I'm sure Robinson will be doing a lot more running over the next week or so. And will be back in, in you know, I don't want to say in good shape, but in, in condition to, to run those uh, 30 minutes that he will probably be running. Um, Mitch did get some extra playing time in that game against the Wizards. I guess it was also because Taj Gibson fouled out. Tough game for Taj Gibson, more in just a moment from him. But uh, Taj Gibson fouled out in Friday's game. And that led to Mitch playing over 25 minutes and just a bit over 25 minutes. And like I said, down the stretch, he was just huffing and puffing. He was really jogging up and down the court at one point and Tom Thibodeau after an easy bucket said all right let's get Mitch out of here he's probably done for the day which was the right call but again no concern for Mitchell Robinson uh the aforementioned Taj Gibson what a guy Uh, Taj Gibson is is one of the guys any team would love to have he's not a star but you know he's not you know a low-end bench type of guy either you know, at 36 years old, Taj Gibson has shown that he can still do this. At least early on, he's shown that he can still do this. Again, he laid a dud on Friday against Washington. Um, but he showed out while Mitchell Robinson was gone. He showed out in that one game in Washington in which uh, Julius Randle was out too. He can go ahead and fill a void just in case Randle and Mitch are out. He can go ahead and give you his preseason averages of 11 points and 5 rebounds. I will take that. I will take that any time of the week off of the bench off uh, from Taj Gibson. 
And if there's any time in which he's inserted into the lineup, 11 and 5, thank you very much. That's that's perfect for me. Um, you can tell that Taj Gibson has found a home here, um, which is funny to say because he is from here. Um, but Thibodeau values his ability to play at this stage of his career. Um Thibodeau, you know, Thibodeau has that connection with Gibson from all the way back in Chicago and even in Minnesota, um, being together along with Derrick Rose. Um, it's really kind of like a storybook ending to Taj Gibson's career. Um, the kid from Queens, the King, the Queens native, just staying home. I, I really do think that this could be Taj Gibson's place uh, for the rest of his career. And I don't think Gibson would be upset. If that were the case, I mean, surely he would love to go get that uh, championship ring that he does not have. But uh, it's it's still a nice ending for Taj Gibson's career to be able to finish it up in New York. I mean, again, like, like I said, I'm not really trying to cast aspersions or anything. But again, uh, if this does mark the end of Mick Gibson's career over the next few years, I think he would be very happy to conclude matters in New York. Speaking of New York natives, Kemba Walker. He's a Nick. He's a point guard. The Knicks finally have a point guard. Kemba Walker is probably the best point guard the Knicks have had in the past 10 to 15 years or so, let's be honest. But I'm not going to lie to you. He only averaged 10 points and 5 assists during the preseason. I was expecting a little bit more. And there were times where Kemba was a bit concerning. Um, his shot it wasn't quite there in the preseason. And there were some lapses defensively from Walker that really opened my eye, especially against the Wizards in the last preseason game. Uh, Raul Neto, the Brazilian, was really carving him up. Kemba Walker, he had he Walker had no answer for Neto on Friday. Uh at one point, if I'm not mistaken, Raul Neto made probably like seven or eight straight shots, all of them on Walker. And in one of these plays, Neto went right into the chest of Kemba Walker. It actually pushed Walker back and Neto made the basket. I know that Kemba Walker can take charges. But watching Raul Neto manhandle him like that was a little, a little concerning to me. There wasn't anything flashy um, from Kemba Walker in these few games, but his ability to make a move and to make the right pass is so refreshing. This is, it's again, this is something that the Knicks have not had in ten to fifteen years. Honestly, a good point guard, and uh, to watch him be able to lead a team, to have the Knicks, you know, have somebody that can, you know, pass the ball to R.J. Barrett on the right time or do the pick and roll correctly. It's just so, so valuable. So valuable. Um, but again, uh, the defense is something that I'm going to keep my eye on for the rest of the season with Kemba Walker because that was rather concerning. Um, let's move on. Derek Rose. Wow. Does this guy age? I mean, he is just so reliable for the Knicks. So Kemba on Friday, like I said, had an off night. So D. Rose off the bench comes in and saves the day. A game-high 28 points from him on Friday in just 28 minutes. A plus 20. 
11 for 20 from the field, 3 for 6 from 3, 6 assists. He averaged 16 points on 50% shooting from the field and 57% from 3 with 5 assists per game this preseason. Oh, isn't that beautiful? And his IQ, there's, you just it's incredible. He just knows when to shoot. And most importantly, he knows what shot is his to take. Rose isn't going to be coming off a, you know, a double screen curl, take one dribble, and take a sidestep three. He's not going to do that. He's going to set his feet. He's going to line everything up smoothly, and he's going to take that line drive three. Or he'll put it on the floor, cut into the paint, take a layup, or if the paint's clogged, he'll pass it away. He has great IQ. I love Derek Rose. To me, he is the most important piece of the puzzle for the Knicks. He is a great point guard to have off the bench. It's a role he has taken with open arms too, and he has accepted his assignment. We saw it on uh, during media day when he flat out said to the media, Kemba Walker is the starting point guard for the New York Knicks. And we've seen the emotions of Derrick Rose spill out on the basketball court post-injuries. You know, from the injuries to the trade to the Knicks and leaving, you know, in the first stint, leaving them, hanging for a few days, not telling anybody that he went home, and then going to Minnesota and having that 50-point game, you know, that probably played a toll with D. Rose mentally. (laughs) I know it would for me. I've watched this man, Derrick Rose, play basketball since I was 11 years old. And the guy looks happier than ever he looks so happy right now to be playing basketball um he looks to be at peace somehow again i don't know if there was something going inside with rose on the inside but he just looks so happy right now and i am so happy for him he has accepted what his role is now on basketball teams he has accepted the the uh, position that he is in in his career plus he's engaged now so uh big congrats to uh to Derek Rose. It's funny, you know, Julius had his second son. Now Derek Rose is engaged. I can't remember the last time the Knicks had stuff going on like this, you know, for the players personally, but uh I don't know, maybe I'm just forgetting stuff that I've seen on Instagram, but I don't know. It feels like I'm watching this team grow up in a sense and I don't know, I've never really can't remember the last time that happened. Anyway, moving on quickly, Emmanuel quickly. He's going to be interesting. He didn't score particularly well in the preseason. He averaged just four points on, uh, excuse me, he averaged just seven points on 33% shooting and 29% from three-pointer. He did average four assists, but the box score doesn't really tell at all. There were flashes from IQ um, as a playmaker, uh, which was nice, refreshing. I do believe that IQ, if he continues to work at it, he can be a starting point guard in this league one day. I really do think so. He's really shown flashes as a playmaker. He is starting to get a better read on defenses. He'll try to drive, break that defense down, and he'll try to find the open man, especially in the corner. So quickly's playmaking is something that um, I'm going to see for uh, pay most attention on development. I know that he can shoot the three, and I know that he can uh, – you know, float it up with the best of them, but I want to see different types of different things out of IQ and playmaking ability is one of them able to find the open man. And um, I also want to see, you know, maybe different finishes at the rim besides the floater, you know, maybe scoop a layup here and there, maybe a reverse. I don't know. Uh, Maybe a couple of different finishes at the rim for IQ and also maybe a mid range game for IQ, but um, very happy with his playmaking so far. Um, Moving on. 
uh, Quentin Grimes. Uh, he was not watching or not seeing much of the court in the first few games of the preseason. But in this final game against the Wizards, he was on the floor for 21 minutes. And let me tell you something. This guy, Quentin Grimes, has the prettiest jumper I have ever seen. Everything about that jumper looks great. The mechanics look great. The form, the follow-through, it's a thing of beauty. It's it's just a matter of time before those shots start falling. And they're going to start falling. Okay, he has he has everything. He has all the the qualities to become a good shooter one day. Um, but the thing that impressed me the most from Grimes's play was his ability to grab rebounds. The guy is six foot four, two hundred and ten pounds, and he grabs six rebounds against the Wizards, um, and big ones too down the stretch. Um, after Toppin got his block, if I'm not mistaken, it was Grimes who was in the right position to grab a rebound. Um, he played huge minutes down the stretch in that comeback against the Wizards. He was on the court when Randall hit the game winner. And uh, even during that stretch, before the, the game winner, obviously, he made a, a transition three, did, did, uh, did Grimes. He was on his way after a steal, if I'm not mistaken, and Derrick Rose just found him and in stride with the pass with that beautiful jumper, three-pointer from Grimes, a big three-pointer to cut into their deficit. And he was also making his presence felt defensively, um, picking up a late steal at the end of the game uh, to, to really make it look pretty at the end. But um, his defensive effort is really something that is endearing. Um, definitely something that's going to make him that it's going to make Tom Thibodeau fall in love with him. And honestly, he just shows that effort defensively that, that Knicks fans love defensive effort and Knicks fans just go together. And, uh, lastly, Evan Fournier, Fournier hasn't been flashy. He's been solid though. Not the best shooting numbers. He shot 35% from the field in the preseason, 30% from three point, 10 points per game, two rebounds, two assists. But he played well defensively. And he was constantly moving on offense, trying to wiggle himself free to, to uh, get an open shot. His ability, Fournier, Fournier's ability to create and shoot makes him a threat for the Knicks in pick and rolls and pick and pop situations. Fournier does not need a lot of room to let it fly. And, you know, he can shoot it from the mid-range if he tries to curl off the screen, sees a little bit of room off of that screen, even though it's inside the arc. He will go ahead and take that. A long two mid-range game, that's in Fournier's bag. Um, he can also go ahead and try to use that screen, try to sidestep and take a wing three. He has that ability as well. Fournier can also, you know, dish the ball off if he can't see anything there to his liking. I've seen flashes of him being able to play make and pass the ball to the open man. This is the Knicks Nation podcast presented by New York Sports Nation. New York Sports Nation, enhancing your New York fan experience. So, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but Mark Jackson is in the news again. And it's going to make Knicks fans unhappy. So a couple of weeks ago, Mark Jackson said that the Knicks are going to miss Alfred Payton. And then on October 15th, ESPN had a conference call 
And this is what Ian Begley tweeted. Quote, on ESPN conference call, Mark Jackson noted people mocked his recent comment that the New York Knicks will miss Alfred Payton. Here's an actual quote from Mark Jackson. No matter what you want to say, he had a successful season with the Knicks competing and being part of a group that changed the culture. Jackson also cited competitive spirit. What the hell has Mark Jackson been looking at for the past two years? He can't be serious. Has he watched Knicks basketball? Has he watched Alfred Payton in the past two, three years? Alfred Payton is a dud. Alfred Payton can't play basketball. He cannot be the starting point guard for a playoff team. Yeah, he's in Phoenix now, but really, how much playing time is he going to get in Phoenix? I saw him getting, um, I saw he had like four steals in 12 minutes off the bench in a preseason game for the Suns. Congratulations, Suns fans. Alfred Payton has peaked for you guys. Um, Payton was not good with the New York Knicks. There's no doubt about it. And it shows up both in the scoreboard and in the box score as well. Um, if you take a look at the box score, Alfred Payton played in 108 games for the New York Knicks and averaged 10.1 points on uh, 44% shooting from the field, 25%, 25% from three-point land, and uh, 63% from free throw, from the free throw line, um, less than two attempts per game. Alfred Payton was not the guy offensively for the Knicks. You would see Alfred Payton bring the ball up, uh, hand the ball off to Julius Randle, and Peyton would go into the corner and be a non-factor for the other 19 seconds of the play. Alfred Peyton, um, with a 25%, you know, clip from three-point in his Knicks career, and for his career in general, a career 29% three-pointer, uh, three-point shooter, Alfred Peyton. So teams knew this. I don't know what Mark Jackson is looking at. Um, teams knew that Alfred Payton was a non-factor offensively. Um, teams, especially down in the playoffs, uh, down the stretch, and in the Hawks series, they would uh, the guard Trey Young. If he was guarding Alfred Payton, Young wasn't paying attention to Payton. He, he would shy away from him. He would get away from him. Payton would be a non-factor in the corner um, on the weak side. You know, Trey Young would go ahead and just get away from defending Peyton at that three-point line, knowing he's not going to be a factor and go help with the double team. It's really not rocket science. The man just takes up space in the corner, does Alfred Payton. He's not a threat to shoot the ball. He doesn't space the floor well. He is not the point guard for a, a basketball team in this era. That's simple. Um, Mark Jackson also said something about competitive spirit are you kidding me multiple times multiple times did Alfred Payton not try on offense and defense especially defense oh did that anger me so much not doing enough to get around screens on pick and rolls you know not defending the pick and roll correctly you know just kind of jogging out there 
just lacked the interest. There was absolutely zero competitive spirit out of Alfred Payton last season. I have no idea what Mark Jackson is looking at. The fact that Mark Jackson doubled down on his comments on Alfred Payton really goes to show what Jackson thinks or how Jackson assesses guards. Remember, he was the... Um, he was the head coach of the Golden State Warriors when they had a young Steph Curry on that team. And, you know, he didn't do well with the guards because after he left, well, Steph Curry blossomed. And so did Klay Thompson. And it seems evident that Jackson does not know how to look at guards, how to analyze guards, because this, this doubling down further proves that. Com- competitive spirit. That's a bunch of... Garbage. No competitive spirit out of Alfred Payton last season, especially last season for the Knicks. And had a successful season. Again, I don't know what what Mark... I'm looking at this quote trying to find some leeway from Mark Jackson, but I just can't find any. I just can't find any. He A successful season. Again, I don't, I don't know if 10 points as the starting point guard, you know, on... 43% shooting, you know, from Alfred Payton from the field, it's going to do anything, especially in today's NBA. One and a half less, a little bit more than one and a half threes attempted by Alfred Payton last season, and he made less than a half. 0.4 three pointers made last season per game for Alfred Payton. Um, the comments by Mark Jackson are just tone deaf. In reality, it's just. Absolutely hysterical. A lot of people were vouching for Mark Jackson to become the head coach of the New York Knicks before Tom Thibodeau was was hired for that spot. And uh, after these comments, I'm sure Knicks fans are very happy that Mark Jackson is not the head coach of the New York Knicks. So um, I just needed to get that off my chest. Mark Jackson doubling down on his terrible comments on Alfred Payton, saying uh, he changed the... He was being part of a group that changed the culture. Yeah, sure. Frank Nilakina was also a member of the team that changed the culture. Sure. Whatever. You are listening to the Knicks Nation podcast. Presented by New York Sports Nation. New York Sports Nation enhancing your New York fan experience. Well, that's it. That's all I got on my mind. Um, tune in next week. We'll be recapping the first three games of the season for the Knicks. They will open the season on Wednesday um, against the Boston Celtics, 7.30 tip on ESPN at the Garden. It's going to be a great time. Knicks basketball is back again next week. We'll be recapping the first three games, and we'll be looking ahead to the uh, next bit of the schedule for New York, and we'll throw in something else that happens with the Knicks in there as well. I'm Andy Rodriguez. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Knicks Nation podcast presented by New York Sports Nation. New York Sports Nation, enhancing your New York fan experience. Thanks, guys. See you later.